Hi, we go on providing the observations regards to risks and opportunities towards deliberative communication, the media, in participating countries by the corresponding country teams. The initial drafts have been compiled and reported to the European Commission. By July 2022, the text will be improved for publication. Until then, the country teams are deliberating upon the findings in our podcasts. In this episode, the Swedish teams are discussing their observations. Among other, the scholars admit that the recent crisis have brought back the relevance of and the trust towards quality journalism. Around the virtual table, there are three professors, Peter Perilis and Martots from Jönköping University and Lars Nord from the Mead Sweden University. From among them, Martots is moderating the talk. Sweden! Peter Lars, what do you say after doing this project so far? Do we have a media development in Sweden? I'm not really sure because when I was thinking about the main observation from these last 20 years, I was thinking about the word resilience. That is actually yeah. a kind of resilience in the Swedish media system because when the century started, people had prospects of a very gloomy future for news media in Sweden. And maybe I was one of them also saying that things will go very bad. Newspapers will disappear. We will have less local news editorial departments. Public broadcasting will lose a lot of audience to commercial competitors. And there will be no market for journalism when people move on to other kind of media formats. But when looking back now in 2022 to the last decades, I mean, it was not that gloomy. We still have newspapers. Some of them are profitable. We have local newspapers that still earn money. We have uh, news media spending resources on investigative journalism. Public service media are still number one in radio and television and have successfully developed new tools like um, the play functions and so on the internet, which has been very successful. And we could also see that news still attracts an audience, also a young audience. And during the pandemic years, it was an increase in news consumption. So I agree that if we're looking for critical junctures in Sweden, they are not that easy to detect, in my view. I think that's good that you also have this positive feeling, but because I think often we've criticized also in terms of policy that nothing is changing in Sweden. No radical change. The media policies are the same as they were 20, 30 years ago. And you can say that in one sense, I think it's good also that we don't really have these type of radical changes, but more of stability. Then, of course, you can criticize that technology and lots of factors around us are changing and maybe the media system should change faster along with it. But I think the stability is also a good thing. Yeah, you're right, because, I mean, there are some main trends globalization, digitalization, that of course affects Swedish society also, like all other societies. But this is one trend. 
I think we also need to observe that that might be counter trends depending on domestic conditions and the news media scene as such in Sweden. So I think, of course, there is a kind of interplay between these global trends and these domestic distinctive features that we can see. You have already mentioned a lot of interesting observations, more from a, like a structural perspective. But I can give you, at least from my point of view, an example of a critical juncture, an example of certain kind of change in terms of a before and after. Ten years ago in Sweden, not only in Sweden, but in many other countries, the social platform of Twitter became rather popular. I mean, Twitter was already, it originates from 2006, and it gradually expanded, particularly among communication practitioners, people in the PR business, politicians, media workers, and journalists. Around 2011, 2012, what one could observe there was like a, a divide between media workers or journalists who very much adopted Twitter as a tool for communication and those who didn't. And this divide has in a very good way been presented and studied by two scholars from Gothenburg University, Ulrika Hedman and Monika Djerv-Pierre, who published a study in digital journalism in 2013 about this topic, how Swedish journalists either embraced Twitter as an essential tool for communication and, on the other hand, those who didn't. So that, I would say, is at least some kind of example of a critical juncture connected to processes of digitalization. What do you think? What has the effects been of that? I would say that this kind of divide still exists. Quite often you hear like leading media workers, like for example, the chief editor of Aftonbladet in Sweden, Lena Melin, she often very much says that she doesn't understand why her colleagues are using Twitter all the time. So this kind of divide still exists. But it is connected also to the transformation of the understanding of what a journalist is, you know, that a journalist is, of course, still a traditional journalist doing journalism, but the journalist is also more and more functioning as a node in a wider social network society. I'm not a, a Twitter user personally, but I think that the discussion around Twitter has been that it's like used differently in different countries. That maybe in, in, in the US, it's more of a social media for everyone. But in Sweden, it's been, you know, portrayed as this kind of more elite uh, channel. Mm where mm. political and uh, media personalities are talking to yes. each other in their own little club. Yes, that's true. And also, Twitter is an interesting case because we have analyzed how political parties perceive different social media platforms during election campaigns. 
And when Twitter was introduced from the beginning, everyone talked about the power of this microblogging and that everyone would be microblogging. But in the latest elections, parties said Twitter is not that important for us because it is not used by the broad public. It's, as you say, mostly for journalists or for lobbyists or PR people and so on. So Twitter was perceived as very important about 10 years ago in the political communication aspect, but it's not that important anymore. I totally agree with that and in the sense that uh, Twitter is not that important as a tool to reach out to the citizens. It might still have some importance in terms of agenda setter, because this is where people in the media business, in the communication sector very much interact. But that's about social media. I mean, in our observation of the Swedish media development, there are so many different aspects that we have examined and the digitalization and social media is only one among many others. I'll go for my observation, and I think it goes a little bit in line with yours, uh, Peter. I, w- I was thinking about critical junctures, and, and, and I think that, I mean, we have had a couple. I think one of them was before the 2000s, but the deregulation of the media markets that used to be all state-run in the, in the past, uh, only public service media. And uh, so when the broadcasting markets were deregulated, there was this vision that now we're going to have all this deliberative communication going on. All these like grassroots movements are going to get voices and, <laughs> and use radio and local TV and so on to spread that. That didn't happen. It all became entertainment content and run by big uh, national and international conglomerates rather than many different grassroots actors. So then 20 years later, it was the same discussion there that now we will have all this deliberative communication going on and it's it's going to be so much more democratic and so on. And now we've got into this more critical phase. We're more aware of the problems. And I think what happened during the Trump era with the post-truth and the fake news and that there's no such thing as a fact. It's all just about, you know, opinions and positions, really. The disinformation that is going on now run by states and during the Ukraine war and so on. This critical relationship to social media has also, I think, brought back some of the understanding of value and um, the importance of quality journalism. And I think we can see that during COVID and now during the war in Ukraine that, you know, the, the subscription numbers for the big Swedish quality newspapers is going up. You see the politicians are more aware of the value of journalism as a functioning society. And I think also the, the journalists themselves are more proud and aware of the quality or the need to be, you know, fact-checking and exact and take their job seriously. So I actually see that there's also this kind of positive trend now in the sense that the value of journalism is coming back. And you have this kind of serious crisis also that we have seen. Now we have the war, we have the, the COVID pandemic and, and mm-hmm. so on. 
and people seem to move to reliable and trustworthy news sources. So it has been a kind of renaissance for news media. And I also think that the, the critical aspect of social media that you're mentioning, people have become more aware. So in that case, I'm also at least a little bit optimistic about the developments, even if you have to be realistic also. Sweden. This was the deliberation upon the Swedish country case studies becoming public in July 2022. We continue to provide country presentations in a week or so. I was Urban Sloit, the Media Telecom Communication Officer. Stay tuned and please subscribe.